0: And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to Mom and Mine. I'm perinatal psychologist and host, Dr. Kat. There is more to the story than just postpartum depression and this podcast aims to share it all, from personal stories and lived experience to experts who break down the ups and downs of life from getting pregnant, pregnancy, perinatal loss, and postpartum adjustment to parenthood. While this is not psychotherapy or medical advice, it is all of the stuff you ever wanted to know about mental health and new parenthood. Welcome back to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Katz. On this episode, we are talking with Jackie Mancinelli. She's a high school English teacher and ESL teacher in New Jersey. She is the mother of two girls, ages two and four, and a son, Richard, who passed away in 2016. She is the founder of Start Healing Together, a support organization for educators experiencing pregnancy loss and infertility, as well as the New Jersey ambassador for Count the Kicks. In our conversation today, Jackie is sharing some of her personal story, as well as the need for bereavement leave in the workplace for pregnancy loss and failed fertility treatments for teachers, the need for national paid family leave, as well as paid family leave for lost parents. I think this is such an important conversation. I know there are a lot of teachers out there who struggle with leave and who struggle with loss and who are not given enough resources or support to be able to manage the massive emotional toll that it takes on them when there is a pregnancy loss and in postpartum after bringing baby home. Teachers in the U.S. are already way underpaid and don't get enough resources to do the amazing work that they do, as much heart and dedication that they give to our students, our children. I'm very excited to hear about the work that Jackie is doing because we need to be supporting teachers better and this is one way that things can change. Let's hear from Jackie. Welcome, Jackie. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. I'm especially excited to hear your story and interested because I know that the profession of teaching is very, very difficult and teachers don't at all get enough credit for how much work that they do and how much work they do while they're also dealing with other things in their life. It's just amazing to me how dedicated teachers can be for their students to their job, even while they're doing a lot of other things. And In particular, dealing with loss, which is what you're going to share with us today. So, yeah, thank you for being on.
1: Yeah, thanks. This is, I'm really looking forward to this.
0: Great. So, yeah, I would love for you to start wherever you'd like to start with your personal story, what you've been through. Okay. So, going back to
1: 2014, my husband and I decided to start a family. And I had definitely been nervous about it, but we went ahead and I got pregnant very quickly. And we just thought we were really lucky. This was it. As soon as I saw that positive test, we started planning for when my due date would be, what the holidays would look like, and really starting to plan the next part of our life together. Mm -hmm. And we went in for our first ultrasound around, I'm guessing about eight weeks. And I still had no idea what to really expect,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. but the... Ultrasound technician looked a little bit worried. The heartbeat was a little bit slow, Mm. but they said, "We know, maybe your dates are off. Maybe you're only six weeks along, so this could be normal. So let's do another follow-up in like a week or two. So I took that as a good sign. Everything was fine. Went in for our follow-up ultrasound to find out that there was no heartbeat Mm. and the baby had passed, except... The doctor spoke in such clinical terms. It was really hard for me to wrap my mind around. Mm. She had said, your pregnancy is no longer viable. And as an English teacher, (laughs) I know what (laughs) viable means, Mm -hmm. but it just didn't seem to compute. And then immediately they started talking about next steps. If I wanted to just wait and let my body take its natural course, which could take several weeks or opt for a DNA surgery. And it still was so confusing because it was a missed miscarriage. So Mm -hmm. I still had all of the pregnancy symptoms. I was very bloated, Mm -hmm. all the morning sickness. So it was kind of like my body never got the sign that the baby had died. Mm -hmm. So we opted for surgery, but it was around the Thanksgiving holiday. So I Mm -hmm. still had to wait over a week to get that surgery. Oh my gosh. So I remember that evening, it was the evening appointment. And I was a new hire at my school district Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and I hadn't told anyone at work that I was pregnant because I was really worried about getting pregnant so early in my tenure and I didn't want to take any sick days. So I went to work the next day and pretended nothing had happened. Wow. And it was awful. It was awful. I have high school students and at one point I just burst into tears in front of them Mm -hmm. And they, it was so unusual and they were so stunned. And I just grabbed my nearest coworker I saw and Mm -hmm. ran to the bathroom. And I said, I need you to watch my class. And it was horrible because I was so ashamed. I thought I was the only person that had ever gone through it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't talk to anyone about that miscarriage for at least a year. Wow. I just went along as if nothing had happened. All of my friends got pregnant.
0: Like and your friends didn't know, no, nobody,
1: no one, our parents knew mm. at least one of my sisters knew because I had announced it to her mm. and no, I remember going to gender reveals and birthday parties for my friends, kids, and mm. it was just torture inside for sure. So, yeah. Yeah, that's um, so hard. Yeah. And I, I definitely did not deal with that grief. Mm-hmm. I just went along. I, I threw myself into my work. That was my big coping mechanism at that time. Right. So we became pregnant a few months later with our son, Richard, and that was awesome. It was just such an amazing pregnancy. It was really special to, even talking about now, I get like goosebumps mm-hmm. because it was it was beautiful. Everything was perfect. We had our gender reveal and we cut the cake and that's when we learned we were having a boy my dad had passed away a few months earlier. So, knowing that we were bringing to the family like one of the first grandsons mm. out of a massive family of girls, it was really exciting.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I just I thought this was it. This is our dream come true. We're finally bringing home our rainbow. And then about 8 months along, I went into preterm labor. Except I had no idea I was in labor. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had gone to work that morning. I wasn't feeling well. His movements had slowed over the weekend, Mm -hmm. but I didn't recognize that as a warning sign.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, I had followed some outdated advice that I saw on some popular pregnancy apps and websites that said 10 kicks in one to two hours. Mm. And I hadn't I had never read anywhere that any slow movements are a warning sign that the baby's in distress.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I thought I might have anxiety. I thought I was just worried. Mm-hmm. So I drank some orange juice. I laid on my side. He technically had 10 kicks in one hour, but normally he was about 10 kicks in 10 minutes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and I never called my doctor. And I, I had to live with that guilt for a really long time. I've come to terms with it. Mm-hmm. But... My baby had told me that something was wrong mm-hmm. and I didn't hear it. So when I went to work that Monday, I was in back labor oh. and I was in a lot of pain. Yeah. And I didn't know. I just thought third trimester, I'm just in pain. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I remember one of my students, he was, I actually still keep in touch with him. He's in his like mid twenties now. Mm-hmm. And I remember we made eye contact across the room and he's like, are you okay? He's like, because you never sit down, you're sitting and you look like you're really in pain. And I was wow. like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And I ended up going to the OB mm-hmm. uh, that afternoon because my back just killed me and they did an NST. Our son failed it because he wasn't moving.
2: Mm.
1: We went for extra monitoring at the hospital. After several hours, he kept failing tests. We did a biophysical profile ultrasound. He failed it completely. Yeah. And it wasn't until that moment, like something was really wrong because I was so happy to see our son on the ultrasound and just watching that technician's face. I remember turning to my husband and saying like, something's really wrong. Right. And my midwife, it's the same woman that delivered all of my children. She's mm-hmm. an incredible person. Mm-hmm. She looked at me and said, I think he's going to be safer on the outside. We're going to do an emergency C-section. But he probably just needs some time in the NICU. Mm-hmm. So, still, we were fine. This is going to be great. We're going to meet our son early. My husband's super excited. Mm-hmm. People are congratulating us as we're going into the OR, mm-hmm. calling us mom and dad. And then it was a crash C section. Everything happened so fast, and that room got terribly silent. Yeah. And when you're in a C-section, you're strapped down. You can't see anything because the sheet's in front. Right. And I just heard murmurings that there was a lot of blood. And I heard possible placental abruption, the OB and the midwife are going back and forth. And I never hear my son cry. And I just don't know what's happening. I see the NICU team on my left. Nobody's talking to you. Oh no! Not right. at all.
0: Right. It's like you're you are you're there, but you're not there. Yes. In, in terms of them, like acknowledge, uh, trying to explain to you what's happening to you, your body, your your child.
1: No answers whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And I will say that became a very big part of my next birth plan mm-hmm. <laughs> was that communication aspect. I remember yelling at my husband. And I was like, "Tell me what's going on." Right. He has no idea. Right. Right. And then the one amazing thing was that we actually had a resident in the room Mm -hmm. and it was the only one of my deliveries that a resident student was there. He stood with my husband and he tried his best to walk him through everything that was happening. Wow. And that poor, like he, he was so young and this had to have been the first traumatic delivery he had ever experienced. And so what ended up happening with my son was that the NICU team wheeled him away my husband was like, what do I do? I said, go with him, stay with him. I, I'll be fine. You go take care of him. Mm. I ended up panicking so much and screaming so much. Apparently the, the anesthesiologist put something in my line that knocked me out. Without telling you? Yes. And again, my first delivery, my first C-section, mm-hmm. no consent given. I'm sure I signed some sort of paperwork to allow them to make those decisions. Mm-hmm. I know when I look at back at it six years later, I recognize that I probably was not i probably was moving too much to finish that surgery. so like I can sort of understand, but there's still a lot
0: of anger of <laughs> about like, that there's no, nobody asked you any kind of permission, told you anything. you're just they're just managing you as if you don't have any feelings about it, yes
1: and I think what makes me really angry is that I didn't wake up until an hour later and my son's time of death had already been called. (sighs) And I woke up in a recovery room by myself and I knew something was wrong. I'm scrambling to find my phone. My whole body is still numb. And I'm like calling out for someone and suddenly two nurses are at my side. They're not making eye contact with me. They're not talking to me. They just wheel me down the hallway and they wheel me straight into the room of the NICU that they were working on him to try to save his life for the last hour. Oh, my gosh. I get wheeled into a room and everyone's crying. And because I was all of those, all the drugs that were in my body at that point, I'd never had a major surgery Mm, mm -hmm. on top of whatever made me go to sleep. And on top of the trauma and PTSD, I think that everything's very fragmented from that time. It's hard to piece together, but the attending doctor that was there, she was incredible. She took photographs. She had me hold him. She took pictures. We had both of our moms meet and hold him. I, mm-hmm. We have photographs of that, mm-hmm. but it's a blur. It's a complete blur. And my poor husband, he he was with the NICU that
0: full hour. Oh my
1: gosh. Seeing
0: um, all, all of what they were trying to do. To, yes. to support your son, keep him with you.
1: And he did say he was very thankful that I didn't have to see any of it. But he, what ended up happening, in Richard, it wasn't a placental abruption. Mm-hmm. It was something called a fetal maternal hemorrhage,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is the statistic we were given is one in two hundred thousand, and there aren't uh, there isn't a lot of data on it because it's so rare. Mm-hmm. But basically, what ended up happening over that weekend was that. Richard hemorrhaged mm-hmm. and the my placenta stopped acting as a barrier. His blood passed into mine, which then caused lethargy in me and an upset stomach. But that was it. There's really no other signs. And then his decreased fetal movement, but he had bled out almost his full blood volume. And then what ended up happening was that they, when they drew my blood after surgery, they drew his. And We have, we had opposite blood types. He was RH positive. I'm RH negative. Mm -hmm. The doctor, I I mean, the hospital, I don't blame them for this, but they did miscalculate how much Rogam to give me after delivery. Mm. So it did cause some very high risk pregnancies after Mm. because the Rogam shot no longer protected my children. So I couldn't get it, but I don't blame them. They just, it was the first time they had had to deal with it and it was so Mm -hmm. extreme. Mm -hmm. So that, Going back to work, Richard was delivered in May 2016. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: My school year was to end about mid-May. At that time, I taught junior and senior students, and I didn't return to work. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I told them that he had died and that I would just be back in September. And at the time, that superintendent, he's no longer with the district, but he was really understanding and kind-hearted. Good. And uh, there were no questions asked about it. Mm -hmm. And then I returned the following September.
0: Okay. Okay. What kind of, if any, support did you have for dealing with all of what you'd gone through?
1: I think that most of the support I found was within my immediate family. Of course, my husband. Um, At the time, my sister that I'm closest with was also pregnant with a boy. Mm. And we had imagined having maternity leave together. Yeah. So she tried her best to be a support person, but I didn't really allow her to. Mm Mm-hmm. But she really was wonderful for as difficult as it was for both of us. Right. I had a handful of friends that really stepped up. My best friend is a doula and a lactation Mm -hmm. consultant. So she flew in from California to stay with us. That's awesome. And she helped me with, I didn't realize that my milk was going to come in. Right. So she helped me with that. She did explain options about milk donation, but I didn't feel like I was mentally ready for that. Mm -hmm. But she helped me with that a lot. She was really incredible,
0: good. yeah, I'm glad that there's so much to your point, that's just one of the things that your your brain and body and all the things that are involved has to deal and cope with after a loss, especially of a practically full-term pregnancy. Your body's still doing the thing. It doesn't it doesn't yes. fully know,
1: yeah, and it felt so cruel because my milk came in. And I remember saying to my friend, I was like, I don't understand why my body doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like this was just more insult to injury because right. I was already recovering from a surgery I didn't expect to have. Right. I was in all of this pain, but had no baby to hold.
0: Yeah. Right. Which throws your whole self into just, I don't know how you would describe it, but to put it mildly, confusion, devastation and confusion. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. And I remember we came home from the hospital and our front living room still had all of the Mm -hmm. baby shower presents. Mm -hmm. And we actually had just purchased a brand new car two days before. Mm -hmm. And it was just all of these just constant reminders that you would never think of. Mm -hmm. But all of a sudden it went from beautiful things to just incredibly painful.
0: Uh, right. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains.
3: This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg.
0: In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask
3: yourself, what is it you want?
0: Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. And for how long would you say it was that intense?
1: I would say for me, probably about like two to three months. Mm -hmm. It was, it was really hard to find myself again and really feel any emotion other than like grief and anger. I remember laughing again for the first time and feeling guilty about it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It was just so confusing. And then really to put on with that, I became pregnant right after my dad had died. So I never tr- fully grieved him. right? And then I felt like everything came together. Oh, and that was, time. it was really hard.
0: Yeah. When you had mentioned that your dad had passed and then you were pregnant, and in my mind, like therapist mind, I'm like, that that's a big deal.
4: That's a huge deal.
0: So, right. So then now after this, now at post loss, postpartum, you're dealing with everything.
1: Yeah, it was. And I did have an amazing therapist at the time because Mm -hmm. I recognized that I was not in a good mental space. Mm -hmm. I'm a strong advocate for therapy. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I I did seek out like a bereavement therapist to help with everything because i I wasn't functioning and my husband was doing the best he possibly could, but he needed to take care of himself as well. So that, that, I think that was, that really saved me and saved our marriage. Really. Mm -hmm. I needed that extra help.
0: Right. For sure. And yeah, to your point, he went through a lot as well. Yes. And he's, he's
1: a lot different dealing with all of this. I think that's why we work really well together because we're opposites. Mm-hmm. So I think that grieving was really difficult because we did it in very different ways. And I was very angry about it because I didn't understand his process, uh, but therapy kind of helped me to understand and accept that as yeah. being
0: okay and valid. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. I- I'm really glad you have that support and I'm, I'm so glad to hear you're an advocate for therapy. It is. It's really, really important to have that additional support and to take the, like you said, the pressure off the relationship because the need is so great after a loss in so many ways, physically, emotionally, and everything, that no one person would be able to to make you feel like you have everything you need. And yeah, I don't and know if anybody could. Any uh, team of a million people could make you feel like that's enough.
1: No, and it's. I remember in the immediate aftermath, people would reach out and say, what can I do? Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to talk.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I also felt like I was like putting a weight on everyone mm. by constantly unloading. And then, so it was, I needed someone who was disconnected from my personal life, who was not also grieving. Yeah. So I think
0: that was, it was helpful. That's great. That's good. As a therapist supporting pregnant and postpartum moms, it's been heartbreaking to not be able to support all of the moms who are calling in for therapy. Even when giving resources to find other therapists who are certified in perinatal mental health, there are still long waits. I hate that any postpartum has to wait for the help that they desperately need. So I'm doing what I can do to help bridge that gap. That is the Manage Postpartum Stress Course. With three and a half hours of content, this self-paced course is broken down into bite-sized pieces so you can learn why you're feeling the way that you're feeling and how to feel better and go at your own pace. I walk you through how to understand why things are feeling overwhelming, what the new pressures are that you might be experiencing, and how to understand them Then I walk you through why you might be feeling the way that you feel. And that includes starting a brand new job with a brand new baby with very little training. Then we go in to take a deeper look at why you might be feeling the way that you're feeling considering your mental health and wellness. Then we dig deep into figuring out how you can find wellness and how you can use some skills and tools right now in your life to help you start feeling like you can manage just that much better. You don't have to be waiting to see a therapist to take this course, but certainly I do talk about therapy as a resource because it really is. For those of you who are waiting to see a therapist, my big hope is that you get some of the support that you deserve while you're waiting to dig into some of those deeper feelings or issues that have come up since you become a new parent. So head on over to WellMind Perinatal and go into the courses section and you'll see exactly where you can see more information and sign up for this course. And once you do sign up, you'll have immediate access. There is no waiting. I really do hope that this gives you the support that you need. And as we say to all new parents, self-care is important. Putting yourself on the list is important. And hopefully this course can be one of the ways that you begin to feel better. So with all that you went through and through figuring out stuff, how to to cope, how to grieve with your therapist, what did you come to understand about what you had been going through mentally and emotionally?
1: One thing that I learned about myself is that I am much stronger than I realized.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Because in those early weeks, I... I was in the darkest place I had ever, ever been. Mm -hmm. I suffer from anxiety, Mm -hmm. but I have never experienced depression. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I had a difficult time getting out of bed, eating, showering, all of those things. And I think that I did a really good job with learning how to kind of claw my way back Mm -hmm. (laughs) to being myself again Mm -hmm. and this new version of myself.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I found little things that made me happy one thing I read about online that I started to do was that I took one picture every day of something that made me happy. And then I kept an album on my phone and then I would look at it each night.
2: Cool.
1: So, and it would be like silly things like a flower I thought was pretty or ice cream I had or mm-hmm. the pic- like a picture of my dog, mm-hmm. but it was enough to kind of remind me that there still were bright spots in my life. Mm-hmm. And My husband and I talked about getting pregnant again when we were both like, of course, physically prepared, but mentally being emotionally ready to get back into that. And yeah, and I did learn that my anxiety is, I think a much bigger part of my life than I had first thought. Mm. So that was something that I started to make, I think a different approach to really working on. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I thank you for that and for sharing that. I I think, unfortunately, people... Don't really understand what happens for parents after a loss. So I, I appreciate that you're, you're able to, to know and understand and describe for us what your experience was. It's because people just don't know, unless they've been through it, they don't know or they don't like hear about it often. They, they don't really understand. And I do think it's important to recognize that this has a massive impact on your life. But after maybe this is your experience too, and and I want to get into what happened after all of this and your return to work, people think that after a certain amount of time that you're just fine or that you're better or that you're over it or that you're done grieving or whatever. And it does a really a big disservice to the long and complex process of pregnancy loss and child loss and grief.
1: Yeah, I mean, one thing that no one had mentioned to me and I learned that it is part of like when you're grieving, but I had like a fog Mm -hmm. that I was going through. I felt like my brain just was not working as quickly. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I had a hard time even just doing very casual, simple conversation. Mm -hmm. I just had a hard time focusing. I couldn't read. And it was just really hard to have conversations with people. Just those little things that like going to Target and just making conversation about the weather with the cashier. Mm -hmm. I was like, I feel like I'm like relearning all of Mm -hmm. these things. Mm -hmm. And
0: that was hard. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thanks for that too. I think, like I said, it's important for people to understand that this, this is a process and it takes a while. So to that end and to that point, what happened for you as you were going back to work and trying to get back into quote unquote normal life?
1: So, I was very nervous about going back to school in September mm-hmm. because, like I said before, I teach juniors and seniors. So, on occasion, I do get some students again as seniors. Mm-hmm. And I was nervous about having those students again
2: mm-hmm.
1: because I knew that that particular experience was something they had never gone through. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how they were going to feel being back in my classroom again. Right. And I was worried about seeing my coworkers again. And I felt this overwhelming need to appear normal
2: mm-hmm.
1: and appear fine. Mm-hmm. And uh, for all intents and purposes, I did. I looked fine. I was back in my normal clothes. And I tried my best to smile and have those same kind of back and forth conversations in the workroom. Mm-hmm. And uh, But it was... I felt like every time I was alone in my classroom, I broke down driving to and from work. Anytime I was alone, it was hard.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But to my students' credit, they were wonderful. Mm-hmm. They were very understanding. They just really cared about how I was doing That's and cool. that I was okay. And students, it was funny because many of them felt uncomfortable asking me directly.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But they would go to my my best friend at work who they knew was like my support person mm-hmm. and they would go and ask her and say, how's she doing? Oh. Or can I ask her about this? And yeah. so I knew that they really cared. Yeah. It was just far more awkward and uncomfortable with my coworkers.
0: Yeah. What happened? I mean, if you can give. Yeah. <laughs> any kind um, of example of, of how it was awkward and why.
1: Yeah. Well, the, the worst part and this, I still, I have mentioned before in different interviews because it was just so painful a coworker saw me in the hallway and we were the only people in the hallway Mm. and we were walking toward each other. She saw me and she immediately turned around and ducked into the nearest classroom. And that was hard because when I was pregnant, I felt like the most popular person because everyone wanted to know how I was feeling and how my pregnancy was going and when my due date was. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I was like the social pariah and Mm -hmm. like, conversations would get quiet or they would feel very stilted. Mm-hmm. And we just don't talk about grief enough. And when my dad died, everyone knew what to say. They knew mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. condolences to offer, the cards right. to send my to my house. Mm-hmm. But this seemed like this is the unnatural order of things. And what do you say to someone who didn't get to bring their baby home. So it was, yeah, it was just uncomfortable for a while until I was able to say, this is what happened and I'm okay. Mm -hmm.
2: Okay.
0: Right. So then that just adds all kinds of awkwardness to, to be back. I mean, how do you interact with your colleagues if they are not willing to interact with you or, or being weird about it?
1: Yeah. And I mean, as a teacher, I mean, it is like a calling and it was so much of my identity at that point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I was a teacher first, Mm -hmm. everything else second. Mm -hmm. And that was my safe place. I was always so happy to go there and it just, it didn't feel the same. So that was, it was difficult to reconcile.
0: Right. So with all that you have had been through at that time there's a lot in there i imagine you're having a lot of realizations about life and and many many things anyways my question is how and what prompted you to get into the work that you're doing now with start healing together so
1: after richard died i knew that i wanted to do advocacy work i wanted to help other parents like myself but i couldn't find the right fit for me i Rode into different organizations. I actually started helping out at the hospital that I gave birth at mm. and which was good, but it wasn't, it, I just wasn't sure what I needed.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: I also was not in the right mental space for that. So I went through my next two pregnancies, our family's now complete. So I kind of felt like, okay, this mm-hmm. is the time. And I came from an unexpected place with my teacher's union. Mm. They held a workshop about how to support after a miscarriage or a stillbirth. Oh, wow. And a lot of the things right. they said, I was thinking, yeah, this is right. And then I talked to the, the person who had thought of the workshop mm-hmm. and he said, well, why don't you like get a group of teachers together? This might be like a really good idea.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I thought, I think it can be bigger than that. And my sister who was pregnant at the same time as me with our sons, she really pushed me. And she's like, no, this can be like a really big organization. So it just, I just started thinking of what did I not have mm-hmm. during my pregnancy losses? Mm-hmm. And what could have made that return to work easier? What can I tell people and educate them about grief and pregnancy loss to better help other people like myself? Because I am not the only person that lost a baby in that building mm. and pregnancy loss is one in four. It mm. is so awfully common mm. that it just started from there. I started within my school building. I am asked about 20 different teachers and a lot of people said, you know what? You really should focus on infertility as well. Mm. I said, but I never went through fertility treatments mm. and so I worked on educating myself, partnering with different organizations that could teach right. me, yeah. and then it became start healing together, supporting educators through pregnancy loss and infertility, and just everything that could possibly come from that. And this started in only February 2021, mm-hmm. and it has been a whirlwind. Yeah, and fast. Yes, and it's been incredible, and. The only reason that it is growing at the rate it is, is because I'm getting feedback from teachers around the country mm-hmm. saying, you should include this or mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And I'm working to adapt the presentations I give, mm-hmm. the f- articles that I write.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And one thing that we've started to do a little bit more frequently is work with teachers one-on-one mm-hmm. with developing an individualized plan to help
0: them return to work. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah and it's it's been incredible, so yeah, it sounds incredible. So, what are the kinds of things that you are are doing if if you can go into a little bit more detail about what you do and what it
2: provides?
1: Yeah. So moving away from those plans first is we try to work with school districts and offer toolkits that mm-hmm. focus on. How to break the news of a loss to staff Mm -hmm. in an appropriate way Mm -hmm. with the guidance and the help of the parents and Mm -hmm. or support persons Mm -hmm. to make sure that their voice, their permission is being given. But when you're grieving, it's very difficult to advocate for yourself. Yeah. And unfortunately, we've heard a lot of stories from teachers around the country that their districts have either completely ignored that their loss happened.
2: Oh my
1: gosh. Have advised that teacher not to tell their students, or they've lied. What People, I know,
0: it's so weird.
1: I know, Why? and this is, um, or they do things without the parents' permission, and it's just it's important to yeah. relay the news in an appropriate way, yeah. but then also to support the students mm-hmm. and break the news to the students in an age appropriate manner right. with the correct support services in place. Nice. And that's been a major focus of ours because I look at my own experiences and then the teachers that have shared with me Mm -hmm. what their districts have done right and wrong. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of trying to figure out what is the best way to go about this. And then, like I said, Mm -hmm. we try to work with either the teacher, if they're able to, Mm -hmm. or their support person with trying to figure out what exactly they will need when returning to work, because that is so individual and unique
0: yeah for sure right so a lot of teachers are really embracing this it's the the district or the the school that doesn't quite know what to do with it sometimes yes
1: because I think that for many school districts especially during the pandemic mm-hmm. um, it's just been seeing the school as kind of like a business
2: mm-hmm.
1: get things done
2: mm-hmm.
1: and everyone's mental health from <laughs> staff to students to parents it's fraying right. And it's just been so critical
0: and it's those teachers kind of get lost. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's a fantastic support to offer because communication is difficult. And even with the parents I support, that's one of the big things is like how how to tell people how to interact with people, how to have boundaries when you go back to work, what to say, what not to say. It's, It's a lot to figure out while you're in that fog that you described.
1: Yeah, and I mean all of this goes back to my loss in 2014. Mm -hmm. It's taken me so many years to figure out what I needed. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: (laughs) And I am finding that it is very similar Mm -hmm. uh, to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. There are some differences because some people choose not to share their story at all. Mm -hmm. And I respect that. Right. But I did have one teacher reach out and she's been wonderful. She actually sent me a copy of the letter that she wrote to her school district Mm -hmm. to say this is exactly what I want you to say. This is exactly what I don't want you to say. Nice. And she said that took a while and she had to write with her partner because like you said, it's really hard to figure out what you need. Yeah.
0: Right. What other kind of supports do you offer?
1: So another thing that we do is to work with unions and individual teachers that work on contract bargaining. Mm. So a lot of individual districts will have a contract and almost all of them will offer bereavement leave mm-hmm. so we try to understand when contract negotiations will start mm-hmm. and then we will offer our contract language regarding bereavement leave oh,
2: that's and this cool.
1: yes and it's very important because what we have found is that if it is not explicitly stated in black and white in that contract mm-hmm. it will not be given
2: mm-hmm. so
1: we offer language that is very expansive it mm-hmm. covers pregnancy loss and we have a list from chemical, pregnancy, ectopic, molar, all TFMR, because that really is important to recognize as a loss. Right.
0: That's termination for medical reasons for anyone yes. who doesn't know.
1: Yeah. Okay. And that was a new term for me. <laughs> I hadn't been aware of it, Like mm-hmm. uh, stillbirth infant loss. But then we also often recommend language for failed fertility treatment as well as adoption losses. Yes. Wow. So really cool. Yeah, so some districts have said, well, a teacher can use just use their sick day, which technically, yes, <laughs> mm-hmm. but as someone who had to use their sick day for surgery and then was very much grieving and not in the right mental space, bereavement days would have been really helpful to have, yes. to know that that was available in my contract. It, yes. I didn't have to ask for it. It was already readily available. Right. Right. And something really amazing that happened just a few weeks ago was that I was at the National Education Association. It's called the RA or Representative Assembly Mm. in early July in Chicago. And this is a massive meeting of all of the NEA or National Education Association Mm. state affiliates.
2: Mm.
1: So almost all 50 states were there. Oh, wow. And I presented this bereavement language at that conference and it did it did pass. So yes. So the NEA is offering this and there is money being put behind it to promote it. I just
0: got chills. That's massive. Yes. So this is
1: being promoted to almost all 50 states, their unions. And I met so many teachers there that were sharing their stories. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it was incredible to share my son's story and his name with so many people that understood what it was like to be a teacher in grieving mm-hmm. and it's just really amazing so i that
0: was like a huge win this past summer wow congratulations that Thank is you. massive and i hope that the ripple effect or ho- whatever it's called <laughs> if they are recommending it and promoting this language then it will it will get into more schools yes that's what we're really hoping and working hard for that's a massive deal oh how cool
4: The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it.
3: I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.
0: That is really cool.
3: Well, clearly,
0: your organization is doing really Mm -hmm. important work. And I can see how proud you are, as you should be. It's, it's really phenomenal. I, I'm always just so amazed how the ways in which people's experience puts them into doing some kind of work, whether it's big national work or it's just individual, like being able to recognize in another person what their pain is. It's, it's just transformative. And what can come out of pain is, is just amazing.
1: Yeah. And I meet so many moms that are doing this within the first year that they've had their loss. And I, mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine doing all of this. Like I'm in a much better space now, but I've met more incredible moms mm-hmm. <laughs> than I could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the strength that's there because we're working on honor of our kids. This is how we parent
0: them. That's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. through our work. That's amazing. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. All right. So this is already a, a really massive deal of stuff that you've, you've been working on in the past and what what are the other things that you're working on or that's coming up?
1: So one initiative that Start Healing Together is working on is to get paid family leave in New Jersey, extended to cover lost families. Mm-hmm. So in New Jersey, we do a paid family leave for 12 weeks. It is, they're excellent benefits. Mm-hmm. But if you do not bring your baby home, your baby does not survive, you are no longer eligible for those benefits. That's horrible. And as a public service employee, as a public school teacher, mm-hmm. uh, I had to take unpaid leave for several weeks. And that was a, it took a really big financial toll on our family. yeah. but I wasn't mentally well enough to return. Mm-hmm. So I am working on lobbying for that effort.
0: Oh, wow, that's fantastic. So that's in New Jersey only. yes, but I have spoken with some
1: legislators and expressed my desire to see this on a national level as well. We have become very much aware of how many states do not offer paid family leave currently, and it's really only a handful. So Mm -hmm. first, it's important to see on a national level in every single state that there's paid family leave, and that
0: includes families that have a loss as well. Yeah, for sure. Well, there's so much work to be done there, which makes me wonder, like if people who are hearing this are are, are feeling inspired and want to, to join you, is that a, po- a possibility? Like how do people get involved?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So start healing together. You can absolutely help us with our lobbying efforts because we're always looking to hear stories. Even if you're not from New Jersey, it's important to hear your story. And then also, I'm working with two other major organizations in their lobbying efforts. The one is the Two Degrees Foundation. They currently have a bill that is sitting in the Senate called the Shine for Autumn Act. Mm-hmm. And my organization has endorsed this bill. And we're working very hard to support Debbie with remembering her daughter.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So Debbie is a New Jersey mother, and she lost her daughter, Autumn. Mm-hmm. and. She has changed how stillbirths are registered in the state of New Jersey, oh, how they are tracked, how they're taken care of. Great. And she basically has taken that bill and brought it to the Senate on the federal level. And That's it is cool. going to, as long as it passes, it's going to have such a massive impact
2: mm.
1: on the hospital system, how patients are taken care of, how data is recorded. Mm, it's, it's really amazing. And that started from one mom. That's so so cool. we are supporting the shine for Act. Anyone can certainly reach out to me. I can mm-hmm. connect you with Debbie to help mm-hmm. with that. And then also push for empowered pregnancy is mm-hmm. working on some, on a federal stillbirth tax credit. Mm-hmm. So we are working on that and trying to ensure that there is a tax credit given to parents that have a stillbirth.
0: That's so super cool. Uh, you're doing massive stuff. These are, and really, really, really important things. And I'm sure you can use all kinds of support. So I'll, I'll be sure to let people know where to find you. And so that if they they want to support the work, they can. So in all of that you've been through aside from all of the work you're doing through your organization personally, what are the things that you have learned or want other people to know about what they can do if they're in a similar situation?
1: The one thing that I would tell anyone if they're going through a loss is to put themselves first, Mm -hmm. take care of themselves first. It is not their job to comfort anyone else, Mm -hmm. (laughs) to make them feel better. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because first and foremost, they're the most important and their mental health matters Their physical health matters. A lot of that, I think that I forgot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it wasn't until I reflected back, that I wish I'd taken better care of myself. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So it's really important to like, you don't have to go to that baby shower. You don't have to Go to that work party where everyone's going to have their kids. Right. Those are things that are okay to miss out on. Mm-hmm. And it's okay not to be happy for them. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, that's important. It's, it's okay to recognize that you're gonna feel very conflicted.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's a, a really big one. To validate, to allow yourself to know that that is a thing and it's okay to honor that. Yes. And I think
1: for me, I just had a lot of guilt about it. And I felt very badly for not being as happy as I wanted to be, but that's just part of the grieving process.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, right. And for you, what about during pregnancy? What have you learned? So it goes along with that where it's, I
1: learned to be a much better advocate for myself. When I was pregnant, as I shared before in Richard's delivery, a lot of things happened where... I wasn't given the information I wish I had Mm -hmm. (laughs) and some things were done without my consent. So when I was pregnant again, I made it very, very clear to my team that none of those things were to happen again. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I had them write down exactly what I wanted. And again, that midwife, I ensured that she was going to be in my delivery Mm -hmm. because When you are getting a C-section and you're getting that epidural, uh, your partner, your support person can't be in the room. Mm -hmm. And I did tell her explicitly, you are going to be my support person when he is not there. Mm -hmm. Like, I need you to help me because Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be mentally okay. It's going to be very traumatic going back to the OR because I did have two more Mm C-sections. And it was just Really speaking up and not allowing myself to be rushed at those appointments. Nice. Yeah. And to say, no, I still have three more questions mm-hmm. and I had them all written down on my phone, ready to go. Mm-hmm. But I need to make sure that I spoke up for myself in a way that I I didn't before.
0: Right. Oh, I love that. It's it's a really very harsh and devastating way to learn that that you that you do have a voice and you do have power and you can tell people what they can and can't do, but yes, you, you can, you don't, you, it's, it's essential. You have yeah. power there.
1: Yeah. Because I think I was worried about being that annoying patient mm-hmm. <laughs> and I didn't want to be a big bother, mm-hmm. but then I thought, no, this is my baby. Right. This is my body, my yes. pregnancy. Yes. I know my body best. I know my baby best. I know what I need.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. I really, I really am thankful that you're sharing that because it is incredibly important and you don't have to have experienced a loss in order to go into your your pregnancy or delivery with, with that. Oh, absolutely. Anybody and everybody can, can do that right now. Even if you hadn't yet, even if you're in the middle of your pregnancy and you have a certain relationship with your your doctor, you can shift and change how you interact with the care system whenever you need to. Yes,
1: mm-hmm. definitely.
0: Well, I thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and letting us go on that bit of of your journey with you. And I can see just how passionate are you are about the cause, about the issues and and how to get help to everybody. And you're just putting so many things into action that will help so many families.
1: Yeah, thank you. It's uh, It's been an honor doing this work to hear everyone else's stories. And yeah. I mean, I'm a mom that likes to talk about her son. So <laughs> it's like an extra special thing, a little bonus.
0: Awesome. Well, I thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank
1: you for having me. This was great.
0: If you'd like to get connected with Jackie, go to starthealingtogether.com or find her on Instagram, Start Healing Together, or Facebook at Start Healing Together Support. As we know, for any kind of change, we need all voices, anyone who can bring your voice, bring your advocacy, and let's support Jackie and the other people who are doing this work to get more resources for teachers. Thank you so much for being with us. Until next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please share this podcast. Together, we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Come connect with us at momandmind.com.
3: Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist, and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed I don't want you to just try harder, and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.